Let's be honest, we all want our videos to do well and to do well, we need to get ranked in YouTube search so people can see our videos and have the opportunity to click on it. And this can be really, really frustrating. I mean, we're doing everything right. We got good SEO titles, we're labeling everything correctly, and yet we're still not making into the YouTube algorithm. We're still not making it to the top of the search ranking. Why is that? This is what we're discussing on today's episode of Tube Talk. Let's do this. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. And welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I am a tech blogger, a YouTuber, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ, where every day we help creators big and small level up their channels, get more subscribers, more views in less time. And today's episode is super exciting because it's a question we've been asked often. I mean, SEO is where it's at. If we're doing everything right, why is YouTube still not loving our videos? Why is YouTube hating our channels? Not only do we have our resident YouTube creator, Rob Wilson. Hello, Rob. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Thank you, as always, for either listening or watching to us. Looking forward to today's discussion on our YouTube topic. It's going to be interesting, but we've also got a special guest, and that's our very own Jeff, who is our expert YouTube channel auditor and strategist to the stars. Jeff, welcome to Tube Talk Live. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. Guys, today, a very, very important question it's all about YouTube ranking. We have seen this time and time again where people are saying to us, look, the system's broken. YouTube is broken. I'm doing absolutely everything right. I should be ranking way up there, but I am not. So if you guys have that kind of issue, this is a good one for you to stick around to because we're going to dispel some of that myth. We're going to dive into some of those topics and we're going to really understand the YouTube system and how it works and how it affects your individual videos. So gents, I guess we've got to start at the beginning. You know, we always talk about search and we talk about keywords. Uh, Rob, let me kick it off with you by, look, let me understand your process. When you're trying to understand what your next video is going to be about, how much research do you put into this? For me personally, I don't do maybe as much research as I used to, but that's because I've been doing this YouTube education thing now for quite a number of years, and I go a little bit off instinct. But having said that, even if I don't necessarily do all of the keyword research at the beginning, um, at the end, or once I've completed the video, uh, I will be using like a lot of keyword research to make sure that the metadata is currently set up and also using vidIQ tools to uh, bolster up the tags, even though they're not as important as they used to be. Tools like vidIQ can help you adding a lot of uh, relevant um, tags uh, very quickly. But yeah, I mean, when I'm starting off with my research, I'm usually just putting in a, a search term into YouTube. What I would be searching for if I was trying to find out information about something and seeing what's already up there and taking leads from them. And then maybe trying to figure out how I might ask a question to YouTube to get a sufficient answer. But I'm that's coming from like an educational uh, standpoint, generally speaking. Okay, so Jeff, you're in a very different niche. Um, you're also closer to my niche, I suppose, which is the whole tech world. I assume we do it slightly differently than Rob's education niche which has been doing it for a very long time 
tell me your process when you're about to research that new video. What do you do? Uh, so basically, I'm going to be looking at uh, trying to take a different angle on it. So I'll look at what types of searches people are doing for it, but also look to answer answer a specific question or find a way to do it better than the next person, in a sense. Um, usually try to find a different angle to it. Um, and make sure that I'm bringing an opinion. So I'll do the research. I'll make sure that I have that title up front as well. Um, that way I know exactly what kind of energy I'm going to bring to that video. Uh, but mostly as far as looking at the keywords and the ranking, I'll definitely research it, see what's out there, see what's working for channels that are more successful than my own and take that stuff into account. Also look at the videos and see how they're structuring their stuff. Look at the strategy behind their thumbnails um, in order to really make a, a much stronger data-based decision on, on my own strategy for a particular video. Okay, so two different approaches. Rob's doing it from a gut feel. He understands the audience. He knows what you guys are looking for when it comes to YouTube, those education. Um, um, Jeff is doing it from a different point of view. He's trying to understand what's working out there in the tech world. Can he take this? and do it from a different angle to make it more of his own. Um, I am also kind of somewhere in between those two. I kind of have an idea of what the audience wants. I know my avatar, I know the person that's watching my channel, but I, the first thing I do is I go to that YouTube search box and I type in that keyword and I'm looking to see what's trending, what's going on out there, what videos are ranking right at the top. Because at the end of the day, that is where YouTube is going to give me that information. That is what I can see what's working and what isn't working. And I'm really going to understand those videos before I even touch my camera, before I even try to come up with a title. And one of the biggest mistakes that we see here again and again and again is people do it the opposite. They film, they then slap it together, edit it, create a title, stick it up there and then go, wow. YouTube is broken. The algorithm isn't loving me. It doesn't pick up my content. Remember, when you're a smaller channel, and guys, I think this is kind of worth discussing as well, the strategy changes when you get to a certain size. When you're still small and you're trying to figure out your audience, we strongly suggest going after search traffic. Once you get kind of bigger, then you're going to go after browse and suggested traffic. Um, Rob, are you trying kind of something towards that or are you purely focused on that search strategy because i think that last video you just did with that time lapse was really really awesome really told us a good story yeah but I, when i was making that one i i was struggling on how to actually pitch that uh, for search intent and in the end i kind of went with my gut feeling and went less for because i was thinking like how do you get more views by viewing your analytics i thought that might be the search intent one but just on that particular occasion, and it was a YouTube short as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about at length in another um, live stream slash podcast in the future. I just went a little bit with more um, the uh, relation with the viewer and how they perceive what analytics are. So that, I think, had less uh, search intent. I think what, what something that you just touched on a few minutes ago later on was quite important. I think sometimes your search strategy may depend on your experience in yeah. the certain keyword. Like if you're new to YouTube, uh, you need to obviously put in a lot more time and effort into the research of the content before you create any of it. Make sure almost that you have 
the title in your head before you even make the video because that's going to help you govern the content as well. I think as you make more content on a certain topic and you gain experience in that content, as well as crucially the the feedback of the data from YouTube, then you can start to go more by what I've been talking about, which is like instinct and feel of what your community is sort of asking you to do without necessarily directly asking for it. It's kind of like, I have these feelings about this topic and I assume my audience is going to have those similar feelings as well. And then you can start of, sort of form your um, content around there. The, I think the biggest mistake that smaller creators make is that, they do some some of them do put all of this uh, time and effort into doing the keyword research getting a really good title adding all of the keywords into the description and the tag and then thinking that they've made it they've done it the video is ready to explode on youtube because i've got the metadata right mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's just not the case because to begin with youtube has virtually no information about your channel and where your perhaps expertise lie in terms of your target audience. Like, let's say you're making a video for the first time on the iOS 14 customization. That is a huge trending topic right now. But if it's your first venture into that, are you gonna rank just as highly as the big creators who are already well-established in iOS 14? Probably not. Having said that though, it gives you that marginal edge against similar channels of your size. I'm going to be sort of making a, a guess here, but let's say you are a small channel of 10 subscribers against another channel with the same number of subscribers. That channel does absolutely no metadata effort at all on their content in terms of a title description. You put in all of that effort. You're more likely to get more views, I think, as a starting point just from discoverability. Whether your content's good, that's another question. But when people make their first brilliantly constructive videos in terms of metadata and so on don't assume that you're going to be really successful yet just keep doing that keep building that experience keep sending positive signal to youtube with the metadata and over 5 10 15 20 videos whatever it is you should hopefully start to see that momentum growing Okay, so Rob has basically touched on 3,448. I think I have points. there, yeah. Okay. I I have. <laughs> All right, so let, let's, take it, let's take it a couple of steps back and let's walk it through because what Rob said is, is brilliant and it's exactly right, but I think there's going to be some confusion. So let's dial it back for a second. So we're speaking about search versus browse. So let's define what that means. So search intent. So we know that YouTube is the world's second largest search engine. Therefore, people go into YouTube and you're going to do a search and it's normally the questions, how, when, where, what, how, who, whatever, those questions, right? How do I unclog my toilet? How do I install the latest update? You know, those questions. So the first place to start is understanding what people are actually searching for. Once you're, a, as, you're as a small channel, once you're trying to kind of get that establishment, trying to tell YouTube, hey, YouTube, I'm here. I'm serious. I'm going to make all this amazing content, but I'm still new. So YouTube doesn't have data on you, which is what Rob was referring to. It doesn't know you yet. It doesn't have enough information about your audience, how frequently you upload, what's your retention like on your videos. So it's going to look for other bits of data, which is the metadata that we feed YouTube in our titles, our thumbnails, our descriptions, and yes, even our tags, especially when you're a smaller channel and YouTube doesn't know you. 
So once you figured that out, and once you're going after the search intent, you're going to be answering questions. That is the fastest way to get eyeballs on your video. What I was referring to when I said that you change from search to browse, that happens later on. Once you have an established audience, once you have an established routine, once YouTube really understands you, then you're going to go after a different type of traffic, the browse traffic, the suggested traffic. When YouTube says, hey, I understand who this creator is. Let me see who else wants to see their content because they're speaking about that particular thing that is trending, that is hot. So search intent, very critical if you're starting up, going to browse and suggested. That's a later on down the line situation. Um, Jeff, when it comes to your videos, you said you go into YouTube, you do a keyword search, things come up. You then said something interesting. You're trying to work out what has been said and how you can make it better, how you can bring it as a different angle to your audience. Take us through that and how does that actually help you with your own kind of videos being ranked? So, um, so usually what I'm doing as far as that's, that's part of the research part of what I'm doing. So, um, assuming that people have already done videos on this particular topic, or even say this particular product, um, I'm going to watch some of those higher ranked videos to see, you know, basically exactly what is it they're saying? What are they talking about? Um, what are the holes in their content essentially? Like what are the questions that they missed? Um, you can find a lot of that in the comment section too, because people will be asking those questions. Um, so I'll look at that and see how, you know, how I can make this a better video, more informative and bring more value to the person watching my video over the next person's video. Um, that's usually how that goes as far as, um, researching it and trying to find a, a, a superior angle to it in a sense. Yeah. But cause again, it's not about, you know, it, it, people make the mistake of thinking that it's me versus um, all the big YouTubers, me versus everybody else, where in effect, it's actually you versus you. If mm -hmm. you get better and better with every time you upload, you're always learning, you're always adapting, you're watching your analytics, you're seeing when people are dropping off, you're not making those mistakes time and time again, you just improve. Your channel improves, your audience improves, your view counts, your subscribers, all of that just gets better and better. One of the big mistakes that people do is they watch the 10 big YouTubers, and they say, well, they've got no tags, they've got no description, their titles are terrible, and yet they're still winning. I'm going to copy that strategy. And that's a big mistake. Rob, would you agree with that? I think I have an answer to this, yes. uh, which is actually from YouTube itself. And it kind of aligns with like a creator first, creating content for the first time versus a creator being consistent on that um, particular topic. So this comes from a new section on the YouTube um main page and it's like i think it's it, the main title of this is how youtube works and then there's a section on youtube search and i'm going to try and read this verbatim it says our systems are designed to identify signals that can help determine which channels and this is the crucial bit demonstrate expertise authoritativeness i actually said that word right <laughs> and trustworthiness on a given topic and I've, I've talked about, I've theorized about this in the past in that if you give a YouTube content that it loves and your audience loves, YouTube then determines that you're like the authority or you're the educator or you're the ambassador for a keyword. And if you continue to create content on that magical keyword or set of keyword phrases, 
YouTube will continue to reward you by serving up to the audience that knows it works for your content. So I think that's absolutely, absolutely vital that people, even when they've made their first video, yeah, it might be really well optimized, but give yourself your content and YouTube a chance to breathe and take in some of that data and be able to do something with it once you've got like a larger sample size of videos and, and, and data. Yeah, but a larger size of videos is crucial because once yeah. you upload one video, two video, three video, we've seen so many people kind of throw their hands up and go, okay, that's it. I'm done. YouTube hates me. I'm never going to make it and I'm out, and I'm out of here. Uh, Jeff, in your audits and the um, clients that you work with, what are you finding when it comes to really, really new people and making very little content and then just thinking it's time to give it up? Yeah, no, it happens a lot. And I think that's something that we sort of have to learn to manage expectations because unless somebody talks to us or unless we really kind of dig, um, it, we just don't automatically know that this actually takes time. And YouTube can kind of tell us in some instances where I've seen with some newer channels where even in their analytics, it'll say not enough data. And mm -hmm. they'll say, well, why does it say that? And I'm like, well, because you don't have enough videos. So this takes time. And that's one of the things where, uh, a piece of wisdom that I, I can't remember exactly who told me that, but it was essentially that this is a marathon and not a sprint. And you, your, your content is like a portfolio and you have to continue uploading and you have to continue being consistent because the more data that you feed YouTube, the more it's going to know what your channel's about, what viewers like your kind of stuff and who to promote your channel to. Um, so that's, to me, that's a, that's a big thing. Channel authority is very important, but I think as a new YouTuber or someone who's just starting out, managing those expectations, you know, um, a lot of us tend to look at these massive channels, uh, whether it's, you know, PewDie or uh, Marquez Brownlee or Casey Neistat. A lot of people look at that success and say, yeah, I, you know, I should be able to make, you know, get 10 million subs in a year. Um, and that's just not, you know, it's not feasible. It's not realistic. So we have to kind of remember to look, look at their journey, look how long it took them to get there and have respect for that and respect the amount of time and the amount of videos. Um, like our friend Marquez, um, MKBHD, I think he had a hundred videos, something like a hundred videos before he hit like a hundred subscribers or something. Yeah. So the grind same, is real. Same with Mr. Beast as well. I think he was yeah. a couple of years and several hundred videos into his journey before he, he, he hit anything. Yeah. Um, I, creators um, should also be aware of, um, the life cycle of videos, depending on what type of traffic source they get. Like when a, a big creator releases content, they get such a velocity surge in views at the very beginning through their community watching their content that YouTube already has the signals that they can start to put it on browse features and suggested. Whereas with search, you'll often find that you'll release the content to maybe a mediocre response if it's evergreen content, if it's trending content, then obviously you need that initial surge. But with things where the, the content might be as relevant today as it is in a few months' time, you might start see your graph spike, as it usually does to begin with, then tank it off. But then as it starts to get some positive signals from search, it just starts to slowly climb and climb and climb. I think my, now might be a good uh, time, actually, to tell viewer, um, listeners and viewers where we've had success with keywords such as that we've used in the past i mean for me it was how to record your iphone screen where i for whatever reason became the authority on youtube for 
like six months to a year when I was just doing content on that nonstop. Uh, Liron, what was it for you? Uh, definitely my faster Wi-Fi series. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and as to Rob's point, it started out really well for about a day. <laughs> then it went back down to its normal, like trickle, trickle, trickle. But I've moved on. And four months later, it got picked up as by YouTube for whatever reason. And then it started running and I managed to double down on that. So you just never know with evergreen content, which is why we never delete old stuff that we think is not doing well. Uh, and what about you, Jeff? Where have you found the, the the juicy keywords for your type of content? For me, it's been listicles. So top five has been super helpful, like buyer's guides, essentially. So where, you know, we have the behavior as humans where we want to see top five, top 10, uh, where the research has sort of been done for us. And then we cut this, this creator will give us, here's the best five things for whatever, whatever five best cameras, five best new YouTuber lights, whatever it might be. Um, and that's been super helpful for me. And it was essentially the same kind of uh, story where I did one initially and it did okay, but I'd say it was around the 21st or 22nd day um, where it was just kind of doing its thing, kind of chugging along. And it suddenly just got a big boost. Impressions picked up, views picked up. And, you know, I think it stayed at a high view per hour for months on end and became one of my biggest videos. Is there any particular type of listicle that was like, was it specifically earbuds or earphones or Bluetooth um, earphones? I always find as if it's one just specific keyword within your topic niche where you like you really identify that is something where I'm not going to use this for every single video, but I know it's not a fallback, but it's, I can build a foundation of good content on that as and when that comes up. Yeah, no, for sure. It was, so I could do it for headphones and it does pretty well, but if I do it for uh true wireless earbuds, for there sure. True wireless earbuds. So that's, specifically, yeah. that's, that's the keyword. Yeah. 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 But, but look how specific that is. So, yeah. It's understanding that data. So what Jeff did is go through his analytics, understand the videos that are working, and then look for those phrases, look for those keywords, which has helped him get that boost, get that over that next hurdle. Now he knows, true wireless, that's the, those are, that's the phrase. He's got to make that video, his expectation, because not only he knows that, his audience knows that, and YouTube is expecting that. And yes. that's how you rock. When you do things like wireless headphones it, versus true, what's well, a true wireless headphones, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you do something, just adding that word true, that is the difference between a video doing okay and a video doing fantastically well. Um, Jeff, since we're picking on you today for some reason, um, <laughs> how did you figure out that that was your thing? What did you look at? Did you use the VidIQ tools? Did you use YouTube analytics? How did you know that that's the keyword to look for? So essentially what I was using uh, is sort of a mix of both, but the thing that immediately identified it for me personally was the channel audit tool. So when I went into that to see content to double down on, um, what was getting the most views per hour, and I was also looking at um, competitors and what was working for them as well. And the main thing that I saw that we all had in common was that search term. And being that it, that search term, even on my channel, is outperforming my own content, that's when I started thinking, like, you know, I like this stuff anyway. Let me see where this goes. Let me try five or 10 videos specifically with this keyword, one after another after another. And that really helped to establish authority 
within that particular keyword to now when I put out a video, it tends to perform quite well um, using those keywords or based on that topic. Okay, so you didn't do one video. You said you did five, six videos to really tell YouTube, hey, YouTube, I'm serious. I am here for this keyword. I'm here as the authority. I'm going to produce this content. And then YouTube use that to give you that boost. And I think that's critical because a lot of people see some success and then they do one additional video. And if that doesn't do well, well, once again, boo-hoo, YouTube hates me. Once again, I'm going to try something else. But you haven't given YouTube the opportunity to even help you. And you'll probably find, and I know this for sure on my channel and a lot of channels that we work with, you'll probably find that something that didn't work a couple of months ago, if you go back and you look at that traffic, it's still getting views. Big pro tip here is go into your analytics. Don't just look at the analytics for this week, which is the default. Look at the analytics for the past 90 days. That really gives you a nice helicopter view of what's still getting you views right now. And if it's something that you did a long time ago and it's still getting you views, that is a great, great signal to maybe make an updated version of that. Go look at your comments on that video and see whether you can make a 2020 version of whatever that was. If it's still getting views, it means people are still interested in that topic. YouTube knows that you're a good person to deliver on that content. Odds are much better that if you do an update, you're probably going to do well. And then don't forget to link from that old video to your new updated video. I'd like to um, coin a, a new phrase here. So yes. is everyone ready for this? Passive collaboration. What um, Jeff was talking about there was that you were looking at your competitors and you were seeing what content they were creating and maybe playing off them a little bit. They're probably doing the same thing to you. I mean, uh -huh. I, I, I'm going to admit here, like uh, I follow Sean Cannell, Benji Travis, video influencers, Brian G. Johnson, Nick Nimmin, uh, these are other YouTube educators and I'll see what they're doing. And if they're, they're having success with content, you know, I might try and follow it with my own interpretation uh, of that video. I can't forget to mention Roberto Blake as well uh, in, in that conversation. And this is like you're saying, we're using vidIQ tools here, which is the channel audit tool to see um, where suggested videos are coming from, you know, adding creators to your competitors list, which is kind of like your business subscriber list. When you're in work mode, you're watching these, uh, channels for content ideas as opposed to watching content for entertainment. And there's a new tool that YouTube have just released. I'm trying to remember what it's called now. It's something along the lines of what your audience is watching. Mm -hmm. And that is in the analytics section of the YouTube studio under, I think it's audience. audience. Mm -hmm. um, now, unfortunately, this is one of those things where a lot of people are going to look at that and it's going to YouTube is going to tell you you don't have enough data, which is frustrating. Um, but it, again, that shows you if there's any sort of, sort of patterns. Like when I was doing some research on that tool, I think I was looking at your channel, uh, Jeff, or you, you sent me an image. Yeah. And I noticed that one of the things was that a lot of creators there in that list were doing, uh, I think it was earbuds on a budget. Like they were using the budget perhaps as a, an additional keyword. Mm -hmm. I was wondering maybe you should investigate that area, especially as we're approaching like the, the consumer hot period of time in the last quarter of a year and Black Friday is coming up. Um, so YouTube and vidIQ is always going to give you data to uh, try this passive collaboration.
You heard it here first. Trademarked. <laughs> Trademarked. 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 I like it. Uh, but it, it makes sense because most of us do not watch one video on one topic and we go and make a buying decision. We're going to watch three, four, five, six videos on that same topic before we buy it, before we commit to it, before we do whatever. So what Rob is, is passive collaboration TM. What that means is that when all these creators are making content about a specific topic, he's picked up a keyword, the word budget. Now, well, hold on, Jeff, if you make a top 10, top five budget headphones under $50 for Black Friday, Christmas. True wireless earbuds, don't forget yeah. to include that in as well. Yep. Stick all those together. Well, what does that mean? It means that when people see the other creators' videos, YouTube may suggest your video to be next. So it's using YouTube's data, other people's data, and trying to get those eyeballs. The one big thing is, remember, it's YouTube views aren't finite. I can watch Rob's video and Jeff's video and 17 other people's videos, and each one of them gets a view. It's not like I'm taking away a view from someone because I'm making a better quality video about the budget true wireless headphones. I'm I leveraging would argue that. against that a little bit later on. Just oh, to do tell. Do tell. Uh, I, I, yes, you could watch 10 videos on a topic, but you're likely not. You're probably going to selectively choose three or four from that. So I still think there is an argument of here. That's where quality comes into it a little bit, where you can either make the content faster than anyone else, better than anyone else, or bigger in its concept than anyone else. So I just wanted to challenge that bit where, no. like, you, I still think, although you could, you could watch every single video about a topic, but you don't. You still are competing right. a little bit against certain creators. Yeah, yeah, but I guess my point is that if you're watching Jeff's video and I've watched it and I've enjoyed it, and the next video that comes up and is suggested is somebody else's video, I'm probably going to watch that video as well because it's on the same topic. What you're referring to is if he comes down in search and correct me if I'm wrong, if it comes down in search, I'm probably going to look at the subscriber count, how many views it's got, and that's going to dictate which of those videos I'm going to be watching, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think sometimes if there is a, a light bulb moment in a video right. about like a, a purchasing decision, it, it, you'll stop watching the stuff after it. Okay, so you've got to the end, it's kind of clicked for you, and you go, okay, I've seen enough now. I know what I need to do. So, yeah, so you want to be okay. the video that does that or one of the first videos that the, the, the creator watches. But I, I want to stress, this is my personal opinion and, like, this is why we're having a discussion. No, but, that, but that's, if you think about it, that is what Jeff's opening comment was, uh, was look at what people are doing. How can I do it better? Yes, how, yeah. How can absolutely. I give a different angle? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. so at least we agree on that. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> sort of. Um, all right, one of the things before we kind of get into our Q&A section is SEO. Now, there's a big thing about people tell us all the time on our live stream, I am getting the perfect SEO score. Everything is green. I should be ranking as number one in the world. And let's let's just clarify. We're talking about VidIQ's SEO yes. tool here, aren't we? Like, Absolutely, it, correct. It, it's rated out of fifty before you publish a video. Yeah, yeah. So that well, since you've opened your mouth on that one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Um, all right. So if I'm doing everything right, technically, why am I not number one? Yeah. So it goes, but I think it goes back to what YouTube was saying in in this little blurb they've got that 
identifying signals might be when a channel de demonstrates expertise, authoritativeness, I've said it right twice now, and trustworthiness, which I think is where you have, as a creator, have to accept that even if my video is perfect, the first video I make on YouTube is perfect, I still need uh, some proof, some evidence that my content from a click-through rate and a watch time perspective delivers on that metadata. So I think for a lot of people, it's again, the idea of um, patience. Jess already said that it's a sprint, not a marathon. And maybe people who currently are on TikTok right now uh, treat it as a sprint because you yeah. can grow so rapidly. But YouTube is this really mature product now that's been on in the internet for 15 years. Maybe YouTube Shorts is that alternative opportunity. But how how much does SEO and ranking um, involve itself in that area is a, a debate. Uh, so, yeah, I would say always try and get your content to be as highly ranked in that number as possible. Like if it's between 40 and 50, you've done everything you can from a metadata perspective to give your video the best chance to rank. But just remember, there are tens of thousands, if not millions of creators who are also doing the same thing. And sometimes you just sometimes have to wait for that opportunity for YouTube to promote your content. The one thing you have to seize on is when you notice the patterns of those certain videos doing slightly better than others, make sure you focus on that content and provide it consistently. Yeah. Jeff, when you talk to our you know, clients and people that you audit their channels and you really give them that strategy, what are you looking for? What are some tips that people can do right now when it comes to their existing videos, not the new ones, the existing videos? Is it okay to go and change a thumbnail, a description, a title? Yeah, in my opinion, it's as far as thumbnails, you know, that's one of the first things that I'll usually mention to people is to go back in because with a lot of the newer creators, their thumbnails will be sort of all over the place. And I know exactly what that's like. We all go through that part of our journey. I went through it myself. Um, you can go back to my earliest videos and see all the different types of thumbnails. So I totally encourage people to go back. Once you find a thumbnail strategy that works based on data that you're getting a much better click-through rate, um, that looks a lot better, a lot cleaner, uh, optimized for mobile even, you can always go back. Now, by one rule that I always abide by is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So if you have a video that's doing really well, I'm not touching it. But aside from that, I'll go back and change them because there's been instances where I've gone back and changed thumbnails on older videos that had terrible thumbnails where they've begun getting traffic via search once that thumbnail was good enough to get people to actually click on it. So I'm totally okay with that, especially going back changing um, descriptions optimize them as best you can tags optimize them as best you can if you can think of a better title for that particular video that still has those uh relevant keywords in it by all means if you can even have a an emotional hook but um just don't clickbait it you know what i mean mm -hmm. don't don't put a title uh, even if it has the keywords don't put a title that's not relevant to your video um so that's one of the things this is also that leads us back to making sure you have the title in place before you turn the camera on so and is it necessary to continue to dispel this myth whereby if you change a single character on a video, it like resets its ranking on YouTube? That's not the case. So what we're saying here is if you have a video that's not ranked at all, and if you suddenly make it really 
well optimized, it's not going to rank number one. And at the same time, if somebody's already some videos already ranked in the top five and you change it, although as Jeff says, you probably don't want to be messing around with things that are already doing well for your channel. It's not going to immediately rank it, unrank it. It's a progressive thing. I YouTube, I think, tries to tell us that content will be judged on its current merits rather than um sorry not its current merits it, it it's not going to all of a sudden jolt the the content one way or the other so you have to make a decision whether you think this content is even though it's not ranking well right now the, the actual content is good and it's still relevant so maybe optimizing it is worth it as opposed to Let's say you made some content about the iPhone 7. It's probably not worth optimizing now because nobody's searching for the iPhone 7 anymore. Or maybe they are, like the iPhone 3G or something. (laughs) Something that can't be bought anymore. Um, But I think there is a trade-off there, Jeff. Like, how often would you go back into a video and decide to optimize it? Is it a good feeling that you think this video deserves more? Or it's like, I made this recent video and it did really well. So I know I made this previous video. I'm going to optimize that. Like, Is there any checklist in your head as to when you decide to do that? Uh, only if there's been major changes like in my channel, my content, or if I'm doing some sort of bulk updates right. where I'm kind of already there. Mm-hmm. Um, so like where I recently had to go back in and change links for a lot of videos. So I kind of went through and I was updating the descriptions, making sure things looked okay. Um, if I could update a thumbnail, I would do that as well, right. especially on some of the older, older videos. But for the most part, um, it's not something I necessarily go back and do on a regular basis. It's only if I'm doing some sort of um, like channel-wide update or something like that on my on my descriptions, then I'll go through and sort of give every single video a once-over, which takes time. It's time-consuming, but it's I care about this, and I, and I care about my channel, my content, so um well i'm doing it jeff are you saying it actually takes work to be successful on youtube no <laughs> surely you're not saying that uh, <laughs> i i do the same um i've gone back through my videos and i see that certain videos i expected to do better it i was going after browse traffic maybe that didn't work so then i will change my title and go after the search traffic mm-hmm. so instead of making it kind of punchy for the audience i would maybe stick in the how to blah 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 and then change my thumbnail to make it more how to um the final kind of bit on this is that remember that youtube is going to try help you youtube really wants your video to do well because the better your youtube video does the more ads youtube can sell the more money youtube is going to make so i think we've got to get out of that notion of youtube hates me youtube doesn't like new creators YouTube resets the data every time I change everything. So I'm starting from scratch again. None of that is true. The only thing that's true is good content that people want to watch. If you can focus on good content that people want to watch because you've done your search, you've done your research, you've done your keywords, you understand what people are going after, what's working, and you're going to bring your own angle to this, then Focus on your thumbnail, focus on your title, make it amazing to stop and amazing to click, focus on your description, and yes, stick some tags in. I always say 70% of your effort should be your title and your thumbnail together. That's why we have the preview tool for that. 20% should be in your description because it's still metadata. You're still feeding the algorithm. And guess what else you're feeding? Google.com. And that data gets pulled out of your description 
And then, yes, the last 10% of your effort should go into your titles. That is all the tools that you need to really focus on those videos. And once you get that right, that is when the SEO kicks in. That is when the algorithm loves you and people watch for longer and longer because they want to see your content. That is the number one message out of all of this. Make content people want to see. Stop blaming the algorithm for it. Leron, you've just given me an idea for uh, uh, some merch here. It's a T-shirt that says YouTube in 2020, and it just says, yes, stick in some tags. <laughs> Breaking news like is it. happening all over today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I think that was all my final words. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Jeff. Jeff, final inspiration words for people that are sitting here in the chat and people are listening now on the podcast and are saying, just tell me one thing I need to do today. What would that be? Um, by far, I think the most important is to, at least for me, this is what was the game changer for me was, um, making sure you had that title before you turn on the camera and it's about your intent going into a video. So the type of energy that you're going to bring to the viewer and to the camera, um, because, you know, if you're having a good time, if, if you're, it's a positive video, if you have a positive opinion, um, you know go right into it have that energy have fun because if you're having fun the people watching you are going to be having fun so you want to make sure you have that energy um aside from that i don't like uh, i don't like sitting on a fence a lot of stuff have the opinion whether good whether bad uh you either like something you don't like something um have that opinion and and go with it you know and rub um start your youtube journey with a good habit so put in the time and effort to do this keyword research and optimize your content, even if to begin with, you don't get the rewards because it's all about marginal gains, I think, to begin with as a channel. And as you start to get momentum, then all of that work and research, which seems to take a long time and a lot of energy, starts to become instinctive and you get that good feel for things, which is, I think, is where the, the place a lot of creators find themselves in after six months to 12 months and just keep keep optimizing i always feel as if if you're putting an extra five percent more than your competitor uh you should be rewarded for that uh, over the long term so now you know the kind of work that you got to put into to in order to get youtube to love your videos love your content and get you that beautiful beautiful ranking don't forget to share this episode with at least one other creator who's perhaps struggling with this exact same topic. Hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast application and we'll catch you on the next episode of Tube Talk. Thanks for hanging out. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.